I think we can approach this from a bunch of different angles, but what is scaling? Why does it exist? Um, we kind of probably all have somewhat congruent thoughts on it, but um, maybe like we'll name some specific movements that are common. Um, mm -hmm. You know, people maybe have different perspectives on how to scale certain things and how to build skill progressions in. But um, I mean, just basically, what is, why does scaling exist? Why is it there? Why is it part of CrossFit? Yep. And, and maybe some uh, like scaling no goes. I think we should. Yeah, go over that and Pet why thieves. why we don't like those options. Why there are better options. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Th those like people might even hear things that we say today that other coaches have uh, recommended in the past or even recently. And it's not to say that you know one's necessarily like super wrong or uh, right, but um, it's just like over the years, I think we can give our opinions that these are things that tend to work best and are also maybe safest. Yeah, try and true Safest methods. and probably fundamentally more sound. Right. Yeah. At building whatever <clears throat> yep. skill or strength right. you're looking for. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for me, like when I look at, I said this to Eric right before we started, but um, to me the mechanism of, of scaling is kind of what makes CrossFit approachable to all people like we say crossfits for everybody and the reason we can say that with 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 certainty is because um in a good crossfit gym you're gonna most people are gonna end up scaling whatever's written on the board yep exactly yeah um so it, it makes it makes whatever we're trying to the the intention of the workout uh available to everybody regardless of skill level age um injury etc well and i think i mean the the reason why CrossFit does it because that top-down approach is easier to scale down from rather than say now you need to do this they've graduated beyond it mm -hmm. that's like that's like best case scenario when you look at the board and see oh it's whatever muscle ups rather than um, I mean banded pull-ups so you can scale from that easier than scaling up because then you have something to come from and go yeah. down too yeah you know? you, I think the for me as a coach like the simple way if somebody's in class and I'm like trying to uh, with the word troubleshoot, you know, look for all right. What's the best option for them? I just reverse engineer whatever, right? Exactly. Whatever we're trying to do. And what goal are you trying to eventually have them get to? Mm -hmm. right? So the scaling down method that's going to get you closest to, according to the level that you're at, eventually being able to get to that whatever RX says or whatever right. sport says. And I think, like you said, this top-down approach that also allows us to have a really high standard of movement in CrossFit. Yep, and so something like, to seek after. Something right. after, yeah. yeah, there's something to be said about like that. The first time someone broke the what four minute mile or five minute mile, I, I four minute I miles, but they were chasing for yeah. a while, yeah. and then somebody broke it, and then almost immediately after, like four other people did because yeah. they saw that it could be done. And right. so, there is something like if you see a, a high standard or if you see someone in the gym just like crushing it, there it does bring everyone else up, yeah. So. I think the top-down approach is also beneficial in that way. Yeah. And, and it's important to emphasize that, like Tyler said, the lion's share of people are going to be scaling. Mm -hmm. right? And what's written on the board doesn't mean that's what you should do. 
It's just what eventually you'd hope to get closer to doing one day. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think the whole paradigm or perspective on scaling has changed in a positive way, but still needs more work with it shouldn't be viewed as a negative thing. And there, even now it's kind of in some gyms, especially prevalent, but um, just in some individuals prevalent where they feel like it's a negative to, to have to scale. But yep. it's, There's still a stigma involved. There is a stigma. But I think as coaches, if we explain the idea of relative intensity and hey, we're this is the goal, this is the target, whether that's time or intensity or load, and or volume, any of those metrics, and we're looking to you know reach the certain target, and the only way to get there is to modify something so yep. that you can you can work at the same level somebody else can work, uh, even if it's different movements or if it's a different weight, uh, and hit the same stimulus for your body. Right. And I think first and foremost, what involved it and what should guide the decision towards scaling is, and I think all of you would probably agree, is safety. Mm -hmm. Like, can you move well? Because especially as we're tired and as the weight's heaviest, those are literally the times you're most likely to get hurt. So mm -hmm. if you're looking at the, the, the tail, if you're thinking about the tail end of the workout, where the wheels are starting to come off, well, you don't want the wheels to come off. So you should be able to finish the tail end of the workout like you started the beginning of the workout. There's not much of a difference besides respiratory rate of uh, sweat that you should see between the beginning and end of the workout. Right, movement pattern-wise. Yeah. And that's the whole goal of virtuosity of movement is when you're tired, it should look no different than when you're fresh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's how we keep ourselves from... I mean, I think all of our goals for every one of the athletes here is, first and foremost, don't get hurt. Second, we all, I think, put a humongous emotional investment in seeing everyone get as strong as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. like my, my, my ultimate goal would be see everyone surpass me. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't let it come easy, but that's why I could, I could finally die happy <laughs> if everyone was better than me. Right. Yeah, and, and that leads to the, I guess, the safety or the, um, the most efficient way to get there and the safest way to get there is different for every individual. Um, and something that I like, we took that USA weightlifting course recently. Yeah. The first thing that we did physically was a needs assessment, right? It was like, all right, let's see you overhead squat a PVC pipe. Let's mm -hmm. see you strict rest PVC pipe. Um, let's see you squat with your body weight. And that we do that in elements too, in a way with those mobility assessments. Um, and that can kind of as a coach guide, or even as an athlete, that can guide what you do for scaling and modifying. Yeah. It's going to give you a lot of information. Um, especially when there's a coach's set of eyes watching you do something. Right. Hey, that's lacking, but this is great. Let's focus on that and maybe modify this. Or even with the coach's set of eyes, where does it become dangerous and where is it unavoidably dangerous? Mm -hmm. Like, for example, when if there's an extreme example where someone couldn't deadlift off the ground, right? Then if there's just no way to for them with their maybe mobility restrictions to deadlift off the ground, then perhaps scaling from somewhere a little higher, like like in the USAW course talked about, is an option. I mean, they're just throwing that out there as an example. But always looking at, can the movement inherently be safe? And if it's not, then let's scale to a level where it can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so kind of along that lines, what are some things that you guys see either in this gym in the past or other gyms or whatever that are, or maybe people want to do because they see it on Instagram or whatever? What are some like, I guess, yeah, pet peeves or no-goes? Mm -hmm. Like the, the, the biggest one for me and kind of obvious is like handstand push-ups. Yeah, well, that's, like, that's definitely the most obvious. Yeah, yeah. like people doing kipping handstand push-ups with like three ab mats or two ab mats is just like it's 
it's so it's wrong in so many different ways so yeah. there's well, like the the efficacy of it like it's yeah. it's not gonna get you any stronger because you're doing such a short range of motion and you're like resting yeah. on your neck upside down and, and like, if you don't have the I mean the strength to lower yourself down your head's not a shock absorber right. but if we, t if we talk about a movement already like a handstand push-ups the range of motion is already shortened mm -hmm. right we're going from here to here rather than to our shoulders right like, we wouldn't scale a squat by allowing us to do more weight we wouldn't take it way up high right so that same principle set for the cost is even higher it's our neck and our head right i mean you can concuss yourself you can break your i've seen it happen in competition people breaking their neck because they just don't have enough strength they'll lower themselves down slowly and um they their, their neck isn't a shock absorber so of course there's some fractures to be had if you do yeah. that enough times and our neck isn't isn't made to be loaded right yeah. yeah, I think on a on a larger scale, that's definitely one for me. Um, where a lot of times I'll encourage people to do like a seated Z press with dumbbells because it's a similar stimulus. It's going to be a little strength, um, and then maybe mix that with yeah. handstand holds against yeah. the wall. Yeah, so like if you if you want to get upside down, down, you feel like it's a fun yeah. thing to do, and you want to build that strength and do that. But um, and a broader stroke of that is just gymnastics in general, right? For for me, the thing that needs. Uh, the most scaling for the most amount of people is gymnastics, specifically strict gymnastics because of the prerequisite strength. Yeah. And I think the biggest lacking, um, the biggest lacking piece for almost everybody who is not uh, there yet is prerequisite integ structural integrity and strength of the yeah. shoulder joints and of the core. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you don't have that, to start and then you do like a bunch of butterfly pull-ups and you're yeah. like, Hey, I want to do bar muscle up, but it's like, all right, can you do a strict pull up? Right. And we've had this conversation a million times, you know, but th there really is a, or a, can I do strict ring muscle up right. or strict, even strict bar muscle ups? I know that's harder to achieve sometimes, but can you do the strict version before you do the kipping? Yeah. Right. Like we wouldn't have somebody squat snatch if we've never seen them back squat right. or, or air squat. Yeah. Right. Or, An awareness of the movement in a less dynamic fashion. Yeah. Be a prerequisite. And that comes back to the reverse engineering. Like when you're thinking of progressions, especially for gymnastics are such high skill things and Olympic lifting, such high skill movements. If you reverse engineer them and bring them back to the basic pieces, the squat, the press yeah. or the pull up, the dip, um, if, if you're not perfect with those things, you really haven't gained the right yeah. to, to move on. Um, and it's different for everybody. Some people have, you know, some people have more skill, some people have more strength, but, and it's a different continuum for everybody. But I think as a broad rule, you should view it as like, I need to earn the right to try and bump yeah. muscle up. I, and I also feel like it's not necessarily linear regression, right? Mm -hmm. you, just because you've made it, so let's say kipping pull-ups doesn't mean that you have to stop developing strip. Yeah. Like I've got an athlete right now in, in the personal coaching environment where he's got plenty of kipping pull-ups, right? He's got plenty of strict pull-ups actually, but he's trying to develop strict ring muscle-ups, strict bar muscle-ups. So now what I have him doing is strategically taking workouts throughout the week. And for example, today's workout, um, rather than do, do kip or strict, uh, strict uh, pull-ups, I said, what about, what if we did a higher volume, we did it with a green band, and we did chest to bar with the chest getting, getting pretty low on the chest. Mm -hmm. um, 
That way we can start working our way towards developing that pulling strength necessary to get eventually the chest high enough to get over the bar. Mm -hmm. So even if we have specific goals in mind, we can be strategic about how we scale in order to achieve those goals like getting a muscle up, like uh, getting a uh, ring muscle up, like getting handstand push-ups. We can start to be pretty clever about how we scale in order to get those goals much quicker. Yeah. And that's not, this is just real quick. That kind of reminds me, and you've said this a bunch, Eric. You can scale up and you can scale down, yep. right? Depending on your goals, depending on where you are in the continuum of fitness, skill, strength, all those, all those things. Um, maybe you need a little more of something, or you might need a little less of something, or you might need to change things altogether. But it's all dependent on you, the athlete. Um, and a lot of times, you aren't even if you think gonna know what's best for you. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think that's the value of having a coach who knows their stuff to be like even bounce off the ideas off of them. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm thinking of doing strict chest to bar today with a yeah. band. All right, I think that's a great idea. You're right. like, you're definitely lacking some some lat strength that you need if you're wanting to do bar muscle ups. That's a good, I love for all the athletes to get involved with their own journey. I like, I like hearing their suggestions, what they're trying to get on. And when they start having that autonomy to think for themselves with how, how can they achieve their goals faster, it's amazing. I like to hear them say, what if I did this? What mm -hmm. if I did that? And then I, they can bounce things off me and I'm sure I'll have some uh, something to offer as advice, but it's them involved, them at the helm mm -hmm. of their journey. And they'll own it too. They'll they'll feel good about it, even if they're modifying or scaling because it's like yeah. I I know this is building the the prerequisites. Yep, exactly. Yeah, going back to kind of like the strict pull ups, I um, I think that was kind of one of those things where you don't see it in, in a lot of CrossFit workouts or CrossFit programming is strict pull-ups. And um, I don't follow many other, much other programming anymore, but I used to look at a lot of local gyms and big, you know, well-known gyms and there was just like no strict pull-ups. And I, I remember I would always program a lot of those because I think they're hugely yeah. beneficial. Like, and because mm -hmm. if you get really good at strict pull-ups, and you have the skill to do kipping pull-ups. Right. The the more the more strict pull-ups you can do, that's just going to transfer over to your kipping pull-ups. But it's and not. the less liability kipping pull-ups will be for yeah. you too, by right. far. It doesn't work the other way though, is that right? Yeah. yeah, it doesn't work the other way. Like you could get extremely good at kipping, and if that's all you do, you yeah. can actually lose some pulling strength. Yeah, um, for sure. So yeah, I think part of that, and I'm not sure if this is, this is really something we can necessarily deal with, but the open, the quarterfinals, even the CrossFit games, like very few competitions are going to test your strict gymnastics because mm -hmm. it's quote unquote hard to judge. Right. right. And it, it is in a way it's a little less uh, objective than if you're, if there's just basic, like you got to end range and your chin went over then. All right, whatever. But how, when's the last time they programmed a strict gymnastics movement in the open or yeah. in the quarterfinals? And I think it's to the detriment of, of the athletes because they're like, well, I'm going to train for what's on the test. I'm going to study what's going to be on the test. And I know right. there's going to be high volume yep. gymnastics. The best bet for that is get really good at kipping. Yeah. But, but even like the top athletes, they'll understand like, so if it's like, they actually did strict ring muscle ups maybe four years ago or five years ago in the games. And it was a complete mess. Yeah, like it, it was, was, it was so bad right. because yeah, of that reason. Reveal. Like, yeah. yeah. But also because of the, because like you said, the judging, like some people were doing like, you know, pointed toes, like really con uh, controlled movement. Some people were doing a little bit of like throwing their head back and like, where's the, you know, where's the, the standards? Yeah. yeah. But so that, rather than just A to B, yeah. Right. But I think it comes down to knowing that you're 
you're training when you work out 99.9% of the yeah. time. And for most of us, like I, I train 100% of the time. Like even the open, I'm not like, I mean, maybe once a year I'll like really push to my max and ride that line of like maybe I'm yeah. getting a little bit dangerous with my movement. But even that, even that now, it's like I, I train 100% of the time and I compete almost never. Yeah. And I, so it's like if you're training strict pull-ups is going to be an important part of your training right so and i I think that's kind of the concept of we're training for not any individual workout we're training for the end result Mm -hmm. right we're not trying to have a dopamine hit of doing well at a workout Mm -hmm. we're trying to get stronger ultimately Mm -hmm. trying to get fitter ultimately yeah right so if we keep that in mind that like you're scaling again we've said this over and over and over again we're scaling to get fitter not because we're weaker and we're failing to try to achieve a goal that we have right and there's different goals for the different movements like uh, kipping pull-ups have their place in terms of total power output, total work done, getting higher volume, but they don't have the same place as a strict pull-up in building yeah. pulling strength and building structural integrity. Yeah. So it's different tools to be used at different times depending on what you're aiming at. Yeah, I was I was just talking about the guy that talking to the guy that did your USAW course yesterday. He posted something on kipping pull-ups, and I thought it was kind of a interesting comparison. I, like I would compare a kipping or a strict pull up to a kipping bar muscle up is very similar to a deadlift and a power snatch. So there, you know, one is like explosive, more range of motion, um, more speed, and they both have their benefits, but they're different movements. And if you're looking to develop strength or just, you know, pure strength, the yeah. deadlift is going to develop strength more than like a, a power snatch yeah and a strict pull-up is going to develop upper body strength more than a kipping bar muscle up yeah but yeah different different strokes for different folks right you know and uh this can this is another move just general movement in the gymnastics uh you know catalog that we talk a lot about with scaling is the ring dip right i think ring dips are hugely beneficial for building upper body strength um but that's another one that kind of has a clear progression just like the strict pull-up or the handstand push-up that mm-hmm. a lot of times for for multiple reasons but people want to jump over one step to get to the next step yeah it's like if you can't do a front support on the rings for 30 seconds holding your elbow straight you probably can't do a ring dip and there's no reason to be up on the rings doing the yeah ring. absolutely um and one big one for we've always talked about is uh bands right are bands helpful are they hurtful um, will they get you closer? Will they not? I think a lot of times, I'm not saying that they're bad all the time, but a lot of times they're not really giving you much in terms of the stability component of the rings. And that's really the big part of the rings is having to stabilize. When you put bands across them, especially, that takes it kind of connects them as one one uh, one piece of equipment. Right. It stabilizes it. Stabilizes the rings. Um, so it takes away that a little bit. Um, and if you're just looking to build that range of motion and to be able to get into that flexion, I, I understand that part. Um, but to look for building prerequisite strength in the shoulders and stability in the shoulders, seated ring dips, I've had people start doing a lot more of those where their feet are out in front like an L-sit. So yeah. they're supported with their legs. Or on the top of their feet even. Yeah, yeah or like a toenail yeah. dip. Um, or even just go to a fixed, we have a fixed dip bar now. Like that's going to yeah. give you a very similar stimulus. And I think if that fixed dip bar gives you issues if you can't do like 10 plus dips then you'll probably need to stay in there and do box dips a little longer before we start getting wild with the ring dips mm-hmm. yeah or like ring 
yeah, if you if you can't do a seated ring dip or a toenail ring dip like we were saying, then going to like a green band or a black band or you know one of those thicker bands is uh, is not beneficial because mm-hmm. yeah, it's just you're just going to be kind of bouncing around. Yeah, <laughs> like a baby and a baby bouncer. <laughs> and so, go hands free yeah, dips. <laughs> even even like a ring push up, like that's infinitely scalable. Like a ring row, you can walk your feet forward, and it's going to be much easier to do that ring push-up and so whenever i see ring dips like that's the first scale and if um if you can do a ring push-up on the ground like you know with the rings three inches or a couple inches off the ground your feet um or the rings going straight down or whatever um like if you can bang out a bunch of those then you can start you know raising the rings up with your feet out in front like there's a good a good progression to follow with ring dips yeah um and yeah. people don't sleep on the ring row and the ring push-up. What? Yeah. Right? I, so many people... I, ring rows, I think... I think, I think they yeah. hate... They're, they're, <laughs> they can be harder than strict pull-ups. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. For me, I would rather do strict pull-ups yeah. than a foot-elevated ring row. I think, yeah. yeah, I could do more strict pull-ups than I could super, like super, actually supine ring row. Yeah. And pe- people view it as like, well, that's not as good or it's not going to work. It's e- too easy. But I'm like, have you ever tried getting right. parallel? Have you ever tried getting your feet up? Especially over volume. Yeah. Over yeah. Mini sets. Or like yeah. kipping pull-ups. Imagine doing Murph with uh, like full ring rows. Like that would be, I would think that'd be much, oh, yeah. much be, more brutal. Be lit up. Yeah. Your biceps would just be. Yeah. So don't sleep on the scaling options. Those are especially the ones like you said infinitely scalable you can make them as hard as you want to make them you can add weight um, those things that have plenty of merit for building strength to get into certain positions that being said i do think there's specific strength that needs to be applied to specific positions like a ring row is going to build your back it's going to get your pulling strength it's going to get your arms and shoulders but it's not a vertical pull and if you want to build vertical pulling strength maybe you need to switch to doing some sort of like seated pull down with the bands some negatives on the pull up um, banded pull-ups uh if if they're not bouncing around there is some merit to pulling in the plane that you're trying or pushing in the plane that you're trying to build strength in however with that vertical pull it a ring dip is actually at the right angle is very close to how you'll want to approach the bar on right say, at a that ring. 45 yep, yep for a strict a strict ring muscle up mm-hmm. um so something else to think about when you're trying to decide what to scale to what's your specific goal maybe that's something like get muscle ups yeah, I always tell people to mix it up too. Like if you if you're if you always do ring rows, maybe try like yeah. a um, like an inverted row with a barbell and the J hooks, and do like a you know a, like a pull up with your feet yeah. um, on a box or something. I like in that. no way do I think when I see ring rows, oh, this is gonna be easy. Right, but like mix it up, you know, yeah. like attack it from different angles and uh, different movements. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Look at the wall walk. This right. is before they program that in the open. Most people viewed the wall walk as a scaling option for the handstand push-up. Oh, God. So yeah. It's like, well, how about, you do, how about you do 100 of them? Yeah. Right. I die. You feel like it's a scaling movement anyway? <laughs> yeah. So don't sleep on the quote-unquote scaling <laughs> movements. There's plenty of ways to make them challenging. I th- and another, uh, another one, speaking of which, you can attest to this, is another movement that I think is really useful as a scaling option, particularly for people who have issues with range of motion and, or issues with engaging the right muscles for let's say something like a back squat, is uh, a box squat. So lots of people I see that struggle to get down to the bottom or struggle, they maybe they're quad dominant or they have knee issues, then we can take something like a box squat. Now I use these all the time. I used, I've seen lots of powerlifters. I used to have a powerlifting element in my gym. 
They do it. Those are the guys that use this particularly to get those god-awful heavy squats, six, seven, eight hundred pound squats. And they'll use box squats so they can very precisely engage what they want to. Their glutes and their posterior chain can be the driving force out of a squat. It can read if you are quad dominant more so than you should be, then that can teach you to not be so much of that. So it's not something that is done right with the caveat done right. But if you do it right, which you're not just tapping the box, you're sitting back down on it, driving off with a vertical torso, then it's going to be a powerful tool to help you improve upon your regular squat. Mm -hmm. and that um, can be I think that same rule can be applied to like a rack pull on yep. a deadlift. You kind of used that earlier, right? If somebody's looking unsafe for whatever reason, they can't get in a position to pull the deadlift. If you move that thing up to their shin yeah. and they can get in great position, then pull from there, Yeah. right? There's, there's a lot of merit to sometimes uh, cutting the range of motion of what you're doing to make it safer. Eventually we want to you know, ease them into the full range of motion movement, but yep. that's not always going to happen right away. Uh, that's a, uh, that's a, what I was going to say though too is, um, that's a good point with, <laughs> I lost my train of thought there, <laughs> with um, moving beyond the concept of a perpetual beginner. Mm -hmm. So perpetual beginners, they to get their heaviest weights, they'll always have to move inefficiently, right? So if they're going to do like someone that comes and new, they're, if they do a snatch, they're not gonna snatch beautifully for them to get the, the PR. They're gonna, it's gonna look like a pile of garbage, right? a hot mess. But if you see an intermediate to advanced, in order for them to get their best snatch, all the stars have to align. Mm -hmm. So initially though, you have to suffer through lightening the weight to allow yourself to move well with that light weight and eventually that'll shift over. So scaling to keep your movement pattern virtuous so then you can advance beyond a perpetual beginner. Right, and I think from a coaching standpoint, something that's super important is to know the progression kind of in the back of your head at all times. All right, this person's at the step two, but this is a 10 step process. When I see that they're, they've pretty much met their goal at step two, yeah. I, I can be like, hey, it's time to move on to step right. three. Because a lot of times people, especially if they're not super driven, athlete, competitive, They'll stay at step two forever yeah. if you don't tell them not to. You see, I mean, with that being said, I've seen people stay, and also, and also, so gyms all over, seen people stay perpetual beginners for a decade or, or more. Like, they're, they're always moving poorly to get their best. So, yeah. it's, it's well, important. Even just from a, a skill development point, right? Somebody's getting stronger, but hey, I just, I always do ring rows. It's like, well, maybe today you're going to do some negatives. Or, yeah. um, and knowing as a coach, like, what the next step for them is. And encouraging them and then instructing them how to do it so that they don't view scaling as something that they're beholden to forever they view scaling as a, as a ladder yeah to get to the next spot yeah, but I mean shoot now I scale far more than what I did when I was younger I scale more and I get stronger because of it mm -hmm. so my my skill in using scaling in my younger self like uh, I was pretty active and I've uh, trained like a madman but I could eat the old version of myself. The reason being is I learned to scale, one of the reasons being, I learned to scale properly. I trained smarter in order to achieve the goals rather than just throw myself wholeheartedly in and mm -hmm. let the cards fall where they may. Yeah, and you have, I, w I would imagine you have a lot more, um, what's the word? You have a lot more intent with what you do. Yeah. Intention. And wisdom. And you remember the other day you said wisdom can often comes at a price. Yeah. <laughs> and that's true. Wisdom can come at a price. Costly. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I paid that price dearly, and I hope um, that I can help 
other people avoid paying the price so dearly. And uh, us as coaches, probably um, just, just with the nature of anything you do at the fringe of, we're, you're likely to go through some some uh, injuries and tweaks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I can, with that, that cost, I can help other people avoid those same mistakes. And that's, while we're on public record, I want to thank you for your guidance, <laughs> uh, especially recently through, I had that little SI tweak that's kind yeah. of kept me out of the game for a little bit of time. And we were talking about it and you said, look at look at this as how much more helpful you're going to be with people who have a similar issue yeah or or people who are going through um having to scale back that are used to being able to do whatever they want with their body and how much more empathy you're going to have for people coming in with injuries and i think that's a beautiful way to look at uh any setback especially as a coach it's like all right now this is something to give back to the to the people i mean i wasn't nearly as compassionate as i was when i was unscathed as yeah. when I when I have been, yeah, it's developed me a lot as a coach. Yeah, we always talk about like when we bring on new coaches. I always talk about where the definition of coach came from. Yep. And I mean, it is exactly that. It's it came from coach and buggy, like people that would go down, you know, go across the country or whatever, find a path, and then bring others with them. And that's what. Oh, is that really what the entomology is? Yeah, <laughs> and so you know that's what it is. You figure stuff out, and then you help people. Uh, be more efficient at right. doing it next time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I always like to like to know word entomology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coach and buggy. Yeah. <laughs> Coach and buggy. Cherry picking. Cherry picking, now we got, never got yeah. to the bottom of that. I, I did yeah. get to the bottom of yeah. it. I Googled it. Yeah. Uh, so oh, those right. of you that have been dying to know. <laughs> yeah, we haven't. What's that? It's, uh, <laughs> listen to cherry every picking. episode. Cherry picking came from people that would pick the best cherries from the tree and then like try to sell that tree as a really good tree mm. ah. so, so they would pick the good cherries and, and like, then yeah, there's all the, all the, the cherries people are terrible ter- cherries right it's like yeah. In, in like, yeah that makes more sense yeah and now it's adding up scientific <laughs> study right? cherry pick right that's usually used in like data right cherry yeah, pick data cherry pick yeah data. take the good stuff so look at that good tree but it's really just like a couple of good cherries in it yeah, yeah. Right. that's <clears throat> makes a lot of sense now that adds up now yeah so learning all kinds of things with the primal athletics radio yes. oh, we have entomology stories instead of hoop <laughs> stories <laughs> tune in next time yeah. okay <laughs> we'll throw that in there yeah. alright well I'll take that yeah. and we're in the book segment at the end of every podcast where they ask for like a poop story with everybody that comes on oh, like, oh i think I've, I've heard that they yeah. like close out their episodes like that it's I, like all serious like science talk and then like yeah. all right give us a poop story <laughs> oh my God. i have an awesome lyra poop story recently you she, have a lyra poop story yeah she, so she's potty training now and she's just starting to go poop on the toilet yeah and she did like the most perfect poop the other day. Like it looked like the poop emoji. Oh really? <laughs> it's like perfect. You like, should have saved it. <laughs> I took a picture of it. But, Show everyone. Yeah. Just, look what my daughter did. You could have bronzed it for her, and, like gave it to her as a graduation gift. It's an A, right. it's an a plus. All right. <laughs> okay, you guys ready? All right. Yeah, we're going. So yeah, scaling. We recorded that. Yeah. Oh, we got a we got a poop story as an intro. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's making it past the first 30 seconds. Well, it was a...
It was a beautiful poop, though. Yeah, it was. It was a piece of art. Yeah. Yeah.